Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Tim. Sam, how are you doing? You know how I'm doing, Roxy. It has been a morning. It has been a morning. Oh, Lord. What what, what has happened today? So, you know, it's funny because like we don't realize how much we rely on devices until we don't have the device that we rely on. And I have a lovely new iPad, the latest and greatest of the season. The problem with that is it has a new software that if you enter the passcode the wrong amount of times, it locks you out forever. There's no like, no, that's not true. It locks you out for 15 minutes. Then okay. it gives you like a little warning sign and then 30 minutes. It's like kind of like a divorce, like <laughs> a little warning sign. And then after an hour, it gives you like the last warning sign. And if you do the passcode wrong one time after the hour, you're screwed. Like that's it. Oh, Done. You have to wipe the iPad. Um, for all people who've gotten new iPads, just so you know, your your data and everything on it will be erased once you get that hour mark and you enter at the wrong time. I didn't <sighs> enter at the wrong time. Who do you think entered at the wrong time? Was it P or L? It or was S. both of them. It was a combined <laughs> combination. So um, Phoenix this morning was like, you can't blame me for everything. I was like, no, I can't, but I can blame you for this because this has really screwed my day. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it gets in their little hands and they just get so excited and they're like, like pushing. And do you know what my passcode is, Roxy? What is it? Eight, 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 seven. You would think that it wouldn't be that hard to do it wrong 30 times. Right. Right. What, what is the, what is the significance of this number? that I'll remember it (laughs) because I have mommy brain and I have two children and a full-time job and a husband that's really needy and two really old dogs that shit all over the floor. So like whatever's easiest, like my past, you know, when they say like change your password and Uh I'm like, crap, it's like, like eternal or something ridiculous. (laughs) And they'll say, you can't use the same password. So I go, okay, I've changed it to eternal one. (laughs) (laughs) Then it goes, oh, you have to, you have to do it again. Like you have to redo it. And I'm like, okay, eternal one exclamation mark. <laughs> well, that's a thing too. I feel like with every like website or what have you, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be good this time. And I'm going to like make a write new password. Well, I was no, cause I don't even freaking write it down, which is my oh, problem. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to make a new one and I'm going to remember it. And then cut to 
10 minutes later, I'm like, I never uh, remember it. You never, never remember it. Never remember it. And, and the problem is by the it. time you've done, cause you can't do the same password. And now it's like, you must have asterisks and exclamation marks oh. and capital A. So now I'm just like, effing just like, choose it for me then. Yes. You know what it says? Yes. Like choose your own password. I'm going to yes. forget it anyway. <laughs> it's like, choose your own adventure. Like yeah. just do it. You know, but I think maybe yeah, you know what? I have an idea. You know what we should do? We should make new passwords and send each other the password. So the other one will remember it for that yeah, person. We, ne- we need to do that. But the problem is too, that you can't write it down because if someone steals your phone, like can't say like my capital one banking details, <laughs> and then you have all the details. So now I just put like BD, which is like, you know, bank details, but then I can't remember the BD to go back to the bank details. I know how you remember it. BDE, big dick energy. Oh, look, this is not the podcast for that. And (laughs) we continue for our next guest who is like not in this realm. (laughs) We've got sex therapists next week, Roxy. Yes, yes, that's that's always a fun one. That's But we're stoked to have our guest today, right? Yes, let's talk about her. I, I was scrolling that's how you do it. I was scrolling <laughs> Instagram and she came into my life. I manifested her because we actually have like problems with our kids and food. I guess everyone does this to a certain extent. We have one child like you, mm-hmm. Roxy, who eats everything and anything. Like she eats blue cheese and shrimp and like, I mean, anything is on the table. And then we have another child who eats literally bread. Like that is, and if it's got bread, She'll eat it and that's it. And I worry because I suffered from an eating disorder from ages 15 to 25. I worry that the narrative surrounding food, I'm really trying to be better. And I think I am better than my parents' generation and probably their parents' generation. But I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like my husband and I have these arguments because I'm like, no, you can't say food is good and bad. And he's like, but then how do they grow up going I want to put good food in my body and I want to nourish my body and feel good, but then also don't freak them out that like eating a bread is going to make them look a certain way. That's not going to be good because society tells us we have to look a certain way. So I don't know. How do you feel about your food child journey, Roxy? Well, it's interesting because like you were saying, like earlier, you know, she definitely is adventurous. Like Mm -hmm. she likes to eat raw seafood, you know, the raw oysters and the sushi and like even sea snails and things like that. (laughs) So expensive. A, that's the first problem. (laughs) B, you know, it's funny because things that she used to eat a lot when she was younger, she doesn't want to eat now, Mm -hmm. like cooked salmon, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit of chicken. Like there are certain things she won't even touch now, like, which I'm like, what prompted that? You know, even mm-hmm. like I used to make her these little like hummus, like sandwich things that she used to take every hummus sandwiches, sandwich, which is basically pretty gross, well, <laughs> just, but she liked it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you like it. Yeah. You and then she it. grew up and she was like, no, this is gross. <laughs> She's seen it every day of JK, but now no, she won't touch a hummus sandwich. <laughs> I'm like, girl, like you were just like, testing me. And now we're in school lunch mode, right? We're like packing school lunches mm, and that's I like, hate. Oh my God, me too. It's just so stressful. You know, I'm like, am I putting like all the right things in? Like, is she getting, and then it comes food? back. I get so angry. Oh. Comes, like I spent, I bought those little freaking cutters because mm-hmm. I want to be the perfect mom. And I did the cheese cut and I made them all perfect. And I put them in there and everything came back. No, she didn't need anything. And I'm just like, I'm done. I said, I'm done. I said, I said last night, I was like, I'm not making you food. Like I'm done. You can stop. 
So I think we definitely need our next guest. So who do we have, Roxy? Oh, well, we are so excited. Um, She is an internet sensation. Like if you are on Instagram and you are interested in like kids nutrition, you have definitely seen her. Her um, website is Kids Eat in Color. Her name is Jennifer Anderson. She's a registered dietitian Mm -hmm. and has a master's of science in public health from Johns Hopkins University. So you know she knows what she's talking about. You know she knows. Yeah, you know she knows. And I feel like because I look at Kids Eat in Color so much, I feel like it's been around forever. She only launched it in 2019. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like become this whole thing. And I remember I was scrolling through and I was seeing like, Kristen Bell was liking her posts and like just all the, she's really created like a huge, 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 um, fan group. Mm -hmm. I mean, people love, love, love what she's talking about. So without further ado, let's welcome Jennifer Anderson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm sure you've heard, you know, and our intro, like so many moms Mm -hmm. just kind of my biggest question for you and like what I want to get out of this podcast is like you know a lot of moms these days don't know the right narrative to tell their kids around food and healthy eating we want our kids to have really good self-esteem to practice a lot of self-love to like eat in the way that they enjoy food we want them to stop when they want to stop but it's like there's a fine line between like teaching your kids what's going to help them grow and feel good and also labeling food as good and bad. And I find it really difficult because my second, my first daughter wants to eat ice cream like all day. And I feel like I'm just saying the wrong things. Mm. I mean, is there any other way to parent? (laughs) (laughs) Screw up your kids. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I told my husband, I was like, you know what? As long as we teach them that therapy is okay, yeah. we should be fine. We yeah. should totally be fine. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about talking about food. <clears throat> is there one right way? No. And I I will say this a million times. There's not one right way to parent. There's not one right way to feed their kids. There's not some magic perfect thing that we can do. And so many of the messages on social media and in friend groups and mom groups and like all that stuff, everybody's like, oh, this is the best way. And if I don't do it this way, like I'm going to break them, right? I'm going to screw them up for life. Or if I don't wean my baby using this specific method of feeding solid foods, they are going to have their life ruined. Mm -hmm. So I like to just take a step back and say, okay, like, let's take a deep breath. We are allowed to try things. We're allowed to experiment. We're allowed to, you know, explore new things that our parents didn't explore. And that's going to be good. That's going to be good. Even if at some point we're like, maybe I should have changed that or I want to do it differently now. Um, In terms of talking about food, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So Mm -hmm. I'll have to rein myself in because I could just, you know, go forever. But when we are saying food is good and bad, what, what, what are we, like, how do we know? How do we even know that? Right. You may have a child who only eats bread or you have, may have a child who eats everything, including raw oysters, which, Mm -hmm. wow, that's amazing. Right. And the bread is probably going to be fine for the kid who also eats oysters, but The oysters are not going to be okay or even good for the child who's Mm -hmm. only eating bread. Mm -hmm. And if I'm only feeding the child who eats bread, oysters, 
that is not good. That's not a healthy diet, even mm -hmm. if it's part of other people's diets that keep them healthy. So who's making the rules here? I don't know. Now, on the other hand, do we want kids eating only processed foods? Again, it depends on the kid, right? Mm -hmm. it, are they extremely picky? Do they only eat five foods and they're all processed? Well, then that's what they need and that's good for that child. But if we're taking kids who can't eat a wide variety of foods, we want to see them doing different things. Mm -hmm. Here's what we get hung up on. We think we have to tell our kids what is good food and bad food. Mm -hmm. They feel it. They can feel it in their body. And also what you do at home is going to be a thousand times more powerful than what you say. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're serving a variety of food and you are primarily serving the foods that you want your child to eat, then they are going to internalize that even mm -hmm. if they do go through a phase as a teenager where they're eating a lot of junk food because that's, you know, I put that in quotes though, because, you know, people generally know what I'm talking about when I use that term, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe they're interested in fast food and all that stuff. And that's part of their independence. But at the end of the day, they're going to, they're going to come back to what they saw and what they grew up with and what they feel comfortable with. You know, it's interesting you're saying that because I have, um, it just made me think about, I have a couple of friends who are doctors and I was talking to them about, cause they have young children as well. And I was like, oh, this was like earlier when my daughter was younger. Oh my gosh, she won't eat this and that. And I'm freaking out. And she, she had a little candy and this and that. And he's like, just chill out. It's going to be mm -hmm. fine. We're doctors and we, you know, feed our mm -hmm. children, not that they allow them, you know, lots of sugar and processed foods all the time. But if once in a while kids are sort of having these quote unquote junk foods, don't freak out, like don't lose your stuff. And I think because we are hearing things right and left, you know, in the media and like on TV and about how mm -hmm. to be like the perfect parent, like feed your kids perfectly. Like if we, you know, our child happens to get like, let's say one of these junk foods, we beat ourselves up. We're like, oh my God, like it's not like, you know, quinoa or it's not spinach and it's mm. not this and that. So like, how do we sort of like put that whole thing to rest? Like, and should we be freaking out if the kids have a little sugar here and there? Oh no. I mean, I hope not because <laughs> if so, I'd be freaking out every day. Um, <laughs> you know, my kids are seven and nine now mm -hmm. and there are added sugars in their foods that they eat every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just kind of the food culture that is around here and the foods that are available, mm -hmm. but, but let's put this into perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say that you can really control your child's diet, right. Mm -hmm. And you have the budget to be able to buy, I don't know, whatever you want and whatever you think is healthy or, or unhealthy, whatever you can do, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And you want your child to have this like perfect health and you really value health and all that. Most of the world, they don't have that much buying power. They don't have that many options. They don't have that much food availability. Seasonality is different. Mm -hmm. We're talking the majority of the world has a much more limited um, perspective of what they can feed their children. And yet we do have healthy people all over the world. We think that there's one right way to feed kids or there's one best way. And this narrative is very upper class. I mean, you have to have money. You have to be buying organic foods all the time. Um, you know, the messages are like, hey, organic is better. You should feed all organic foods. Mm -hmm. 
you know, most people don't have a $5,000 a month food budget. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's one reason why I'm really big on saying we cannot call processed foods bad. We cannot call, Mm -hmm. we cannot have hold people to some sort of standard that says uh, organic food is what everybody should be eating. Nobody can, most people cannot even aspire to that. I mean, mm-hmm. and what it's really doing when we're setting these arbitrary rules on what's really good and what's not like quinoa. I mean, I would say many, many, many people don't eat quinoa and they don't like quinoa. And like, who am I to tell you to eat quinoa? Like eat your white rice. Um, but we're, we're really trying to create divisions between people. Hey, I'm in the in group. You're in the out group. I'm better than you. And we get in these like mommy wars and culture mm-hmm. wars and parent wars. We're always trying to say, oh, I'm better than you and I'm doing it better. I don't know why we're doing that to ourselves, but it's not helping us. And it's certainly not helping all the people who are like, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't feed my child fruit because I can't get organic fruit, which mm-hmm. is what I hear. I get more frustrated at the food companies because I actually do believe that certain foods are bad um, because I have a kid with ADHD and a kid who doesn't have ADHD. um, And there are certain dyes, like um, there are certain additives and dyes and that are not allowed in so many different countries. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm from Australia, certain red I think I don't know what it is red 50 whatever it's called red 40 Mm -hmm. is not allowed in certain places but is allowed in the U.S. Um, I actually definitely see my child who has ADHD when she has any of those additives she goes off the rails her emotional wellness completely peaks and she gets very aggressive she gets very emotional and Mm. it is completely tied into the food Mm -hmm. and I don't know normally when she's having it. And then when she gets home, we find out that that's what happened. My youngest Mm. daughter who doesn't have ADHD still will not get the, as much of a spike, but she will still get that huge burst of energy. Unlike sugar, unlike fruit or whatever, it's these, these real at like added colors. Um, And I do see her also have some kind of an emotional burst so mm-hmm. I, I do think that there are some things that shouldn't be marketed towards children mm-hmm. and there should be other ways that these companies put in, like there's so many ways to color food that doesn't have to be red 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually makes me angry and frustrated because I also think it is it an, it's addictive. And I think that the mm-hmm. kids want to keep having it because it tastes good and your body just starts getting used to that taste. Um, so yeah, that, that I feel I feel frustrated with certain things in the foods that are marketed yeah. towards our kids. Right. Mm. I think that's, I think that's totally valid. And it's so true about that. Those dyes. Um, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think food companies should be allowed to market foods to children. Mm-hmm. I just will throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I think like when you look at what they are doing, I walked through the grocery store the other day looking for um, fruit gummies, like quote fruit gummies, mm-hmm to do a post about fruit snacks. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just blown away. And I don't usually look for fruit snacks where I'm like mm-hmm. paranoid about teeth, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
there were characters on all these boxes. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, fruit, this is fruit and there's pictures of fruit. And I'm like, there's no fruit in this. Like what, you know, oh, like that is two drops of apple puree that you put into this. And mm -hmm. companies know that when they can get a child to beg and whine for food, their parents will buy it. There are yeah. studies that show that mm -hmm. because guess what? We're parents. We <laughs> that and you noise. have an emotional talk too, that right? Noise. Like you can't handle it. Whining yeah. and you're like, whatever to stop that sound. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it is what it is, but food companies know this. And so they take their processed, expensive foods and they market it at children. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is like beyond good food and bad food, right? This mm -hmm. is companies who are deliberately trying to exploit families mm -hmm. and get their kids mm -hmm. into eating these foods so that the kids will ask for them for their own personal gain. Mm -hmm. And I have a huge problem with that. And then you go mm -hmm. into resource poor settings. Mm -hmm. Communities of color have a double burden of food advertising because mm -hmm. they, they get all the general advertising and then they get targeted advertising for their area. Mm -hmm. And so these companies are just taking advantage of people mm -hmm. across the board, even more so children and communities of color. And I'm not okay with that. Mm -hmm. No, that's awful. You know, it's funny when we're in the grocery store too, I noticed with my daughter, like I have to really be on her because otherwise if we start drifting and going into the, like those middle aisles where the kids, you know, cereals and treats and things are she goes bananas she's like like you're saying she sees like these characters on these boxes and it's like I want that I want that I want that mm -hmm. so I try to kind of keep her with the perimeter mm -hmm. of the store but you know sometimes that is happens and sometimes it doesn't but as you're saying like it's interesting you're bringing up fruit snacks because also I see a lot of those in school lunches right mm -hmm. so it's like mm -hmm. people are trying to pack these school lunches with like things that their kids will eat and I kind of feel like it's sort of the perfect time. Cause we are like captively, we have them like, you know, we, we, it's what we're packing that they will eat. So what are some like suggestions of good things that we can put in their school lunches that'll kind of get them, you know, mm. get their brains working well and, and just some and really good food. food. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. make them want to eat, you know, cause it's like, like Cameron and I were saying before, it's so stressful to like, yeah. be like, oh my God, we have to now pack the lunches and like, what are we going to put in today? And it sh should it be different than yesterday? And so when they're coming back, they're coming back. Yeah. Yes. My son went a whole year without eating his lunch at kindergarten. No. I was pulling my hair oh my out. God. I'm like, I'm a professional. I'm a right. professional lunch maker. I get paid to make lunches and you're yeah. not eating anything. anything. I would just open it up and, or he would eat only the vegetables, which I'm like, I am pro vegetable, but, <laughs> but also <laughs> that is not going to keep you full. And then mm. he, of course he would come back super hungry, but I'm like, I'm, I'm literally making like every food under the sun that I think you will eat. What do you want? Anything. And there was nothing, you know, we have to remember that lunch can be kind of chaotic and loud. It's not at home. Mm -hmm. Kids may miss their parents or their families or not be happy to be at school. Anything. They may be tired and they aren't always going to eat well. And sometimes as parents, we jump to, oh, well then I'm going to just pack kind of these, um, easy foods. What I like to think of as easy mm -hmm. foods or the food companies call them like kid foods, right? Where kids just like eat them on the first bite, right? So I could fill a lunchbox full of pretzels because mm -hmm. I just want my child to eat something. Um, 
But in reality, if they're not hungry and they're stressed and all these things, eating a few pretzels isn't really going to help the situation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're really not wanting to eat, we can we can still try to send all the foods that they want. We can talk to them. What would you like in your lunch and, and mm -hmm. things like that. But we don't necessarily have to just fill it full of fruit snacks because honestly, if they're only at the fruit snacks, they're actually going to feel worse mm -hmm. after that than if they just hadn't eaten. What do you think about, so <clears throat> to try to not have some, like without telling my daughter, mm. I'd prefer you to have less sugar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I try to do things where we have less sugar um, without her knowing the narrative behind it. So what I try to do, which I think has been helping because normally we eat dinner and they kind of eat some of it and then they want dessert. So it's mm. like this, this big treat, right? At the end of the dinner and, you know, and then you start to have those, those comments to your kids, like, well, make sure you eat all your greens and make sure you eat all your veggies. And I'm mm -hmm. also trying not to do that because I want my kids to like have a lot of food on their plate and choose what they want to eat and how they eat it. It's my job to provide it is their job to choose how much they eat. So I'll have like her hummus and carrots and her fish fingers and a little bit of pasta and her to like her yogurt with her chocolate chips or her little brownie. And I'll have it together with the food. Mm. What do you think about that theory of doing it all together? So it's not like this big treat at the end of each meal. And it just kind of, it just is mm. just food just is, and it all tastes different. Yeah. I love that. Mm. I think it's so helpful. It doesn't, you know, not all families are at a place where they're like, okay, I want to try that. But mm -hmm. especially for families where a child is kind of really obsessed with sweets or they, um, it's just during the meal, it's like, can I have dessert? Can I have dessert? Can I have dessert? Mm -hmm. Can I, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And then you do, you get into this, well, you got to do this before you do that. And the more we say those things, the more the dessert just gets ramped up mm -hmm. and the more they're like, Ooh, it's a reward. And they want it more than they would have at the at the start, right? Mm -hmm. So instead, if we just kind of put a put a little bit of of you know that dessert on the side of the plate, then suddenly the food is it, it's there. Mm -hmm. So they're not saying, "Oh, I want it." They're not as obsessed in the moment, and mm -hmm. then you're not hyping it up by making it a bribe or a reward. And then also they get to choose, right? And so they're just kind of experiencing. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have to have it every night. You also don't have to do this all the time. We use this technique sometimes. We also um, we also sometimes have dessert after the meal because, in reality, kids are going to experience a lot of food. Uh, settings over the course of their life. Mm -hmm. And I want my kids to be able to go to a party or go to a dinner with someone else and be able to handle the situation where they have dinner first and then dessert. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to give kids a lot of different experiences as well as sometimes, you know, we, maybe we have cookies and milk for an afternoon snack and they can choose how many cookies mm. and how many, how much milk, right. It's totally up to them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having these experiences just helps to normalize it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean your child is not going to have a sweet tooth and they're not going to love cookies and they're not going to, you know, I have one kid absolutely to his dying day will probably be obsessed with sweets. Does he have them all yeah. the time? No, but just like my, my husband loves cookies and over time, he's learned what feels right for him, right? Which is not as many cookies as earlier. He, um, you know, I have, my child will also be the same way. And my other one, 
doesn't really care as much like, and he's just youngest hates ice effect. cream <laughs> well it's like and i feel like they're always asking for it right during the meal it's like okay like we get halfway through the dinner and my daughter's like what's for dessert you know like right. it's always like she expects there to be a dessert like at the end of these things and it's also interesting too you know when we're taking turns like cooking dinner like my husband and I have very different thoughts on this. Like mm-hmm. sometimes she doesn't obviously like what we're making, you know, and she doesn't want to eat it. But my husband's thought is, okay, if she doesn't like something, he wants to jump up and like make her something new that she'll like, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I'm like, well, why don't you sit with it for a minute? And like, we can, you know, once we're done, like dad and I are done eating, then, you know, we'll go and make your you know, very simple sort of, you know, whatever, if it's like beans and rice or whatever she likes to eat, you know, but it, it, there's, so we have two different kind of like schools of thought of that, you Mm -hmm. know, in our house. So what is the best way to kind of deal with the fact that if your kids don't like what you're making them, let's say for dinner, like, how do you handle that? Well, I mean, if you're the sort of parent who has enough time and energy to go make something special, that's off to you. Um, I have like a zero tall. I cannot, I, I got something on the table and that is going to be good enough or it doesn't matter. And then we're done. Or you can wait for bedtime snack. Um, but you know, when kids, when we're constantly getting up and getting kids exactly what they want, Mm -hmm. what happens is we are decreasing the number of foods that they're expected to eat. Right. And so in their mind, Mm -hmm. their number of foods that they'll accept is Mm. shrinking. Right. Mm. And so instead, if we kind of say, Hey, we have a family meal and this is it. And we always make sure there is a food that they're comfortable with. Mm. You know, if you know that your child doesn't like meat sauce and pasta, uh, with broccoli, and that's the only thing you put on the table. Mm. Well, that's not really fair. You mm. wouldn't do that for yourself. Mm. You wouldn't do that for your husband. You wouldn't do that. Like if a friend came over, right. Mm. You gotta make sure everybody has something to eat at the table. But at the same time, if you also say, this is it, right. This is our meal together. And everybody can have all of these different foods if they want. You're changing their mindset because mm. you're saying, this is the family meal. Mm. You can choose. And mm. also I'm not going to get up and make you something special because you're not different from the family, mm. but in the family has slightly different tastes and we do different things. And in my house, I do have a, a picky eater. And so almost everything is, you know, deconstructed, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes even the color of the pasta sauce, it might be like a pesto and a, mm-hmm. and a red sauce and and these are out of jars, by the way. It's not like I'm making <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm making slaving away all day. Cooking the- no way. <laughs> out of the jars. <laughs> um, and then I might also serve the, the meat on the side. So if you want meat and your pasta sauce, you can have that. But my son knows he's not ever going to get a special meal. There's always going to be something he feels comfortable with, but that's it. Like, this is the thing and you decide how you want to put it together. And honestly, that's what I think keeps kids in the mindset that, oh, I'm, I'm not any different from anybody else. I'm not being mm. singled out as a picky eater. I will eventually learn to be like my parents and learn to eat more foods. And it also gives them agency. They can choose. There's so many good things that come from that. Um, and also, 
it, like you, your time, <laughs> your time, your energy, mm -hmm. the mental space, so many of those things. Like I don't even have enough of that to pretend mm -hmm. to make them their own meals. Um, but for parents who are kind of struggling and like, oh my gosh, I'm making all these meals. You can lay that down and just be like, I'm, I'm done. Here's some yogurt on the table with the spaghetti. Yeah. Tannen, that's oh like a good, we could, we should try this. Build your own yeah. pasta bowls. I was going to do that. Yeah. That's genius. Mm -hmm. Except I don't eat pasta. My problem with my household is like my husband's a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. My daughter eats bread. The other one just eats meat. Like she will only eat fish. Like she <laughs> just wants meat, 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 meat. I'm eat, uh, like mainly pescatarian. So mm -hmm. like, it's like between the meat and the not meat and the, you know, and I, I, my question was that I think a lot of families also feel a lot of shame about mealtime because like, I don't know how people do it. My husband and I work full time. We're in the film business and the entertainment business. My husband and I work until probably 1 a.m. in the morning, like after we put the kids down. My one daughter has two after school activities because she's tutoring right now because of the whole COVID thing. So we're wanting to get her up to speed. Plus, she wants to do her dance and her theater and she's doing swimming and she's on the swim team. So by the time we get home, it's kind of like. We call her the baby. She's three. Get the baby washed, wash the hair for tomorrow, get the schoolwork done, finish the reading, get the house in order, make sure the dogs go out. So dinner time in our house is literally like she eats chicken nuggets, she eats fish fingers, some pasta, some broccoli and carrots, and we're calling it a night and we're bathing and we're going to bed. This idea that people sit down and eat a family meal sounds incredible. And I would love that, but I don't even know how people do it. How do people do it with two full-time jobs and two kids and extracurricular activities and kids and, 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 and when families have more than one kid too, because I think one mm -hmm. kid's hard, but two kids is double the work. Like how do people do it? I, and I would have to start probably cooking by 530 and I'm in the car driving her from the tutoring to the swim lesson with the baby in the back. Like how do people do it? Yeah, it's know. tricky. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it doesn't have to be fancy. This is this mm -hmm. is one of the things. Some people meal prep on the weekends. I'm like, I never had to. It's like the one time you get to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, my in my family, you know, it's always been like I had two jobs to be able to start kids in color, and my husband at that time was getting his PhD and working full time, mm -hmm. and so we've always had these like things. For us personally, we had enough flexibility in our schedule to say, okay, we're going to sit down um, at 5.30. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be long. I mean, my kids have like no attention span. So the meal mm -hmm. is like, you know, 12 minutes long. But also the meals are really, really simple. You know, it's pasta. It's the sauce out of the jar. It's the, it's the pasta. It's the... Um, whatever meat I could possibly cook the fastest. It's like mm -hmm. super, super, super simple. Um, but again, we had this kind of work from home, a little bit of flexibility in our schedule. And so we took full advantage of that and just went, okay, meals have to be super simple. Mm -hmm. um, and we just kind of know, okay, these are the meals we can easily deconstruct so that the kids, so we're not having to make too many things. But I mean, if you want to put the chicken fingers and the, the fish fingers in the thing and you get the frozen broccoli out and you put it in the microwave um, and, uh, you know, whatever's on the side of those and, you know, throw a couple potatoes in the microwave. I'm a huge fan of the microwave, by the way. Yeah, I, I, mine's not working, so I need a new one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
my life has been turned upside down. Yeah. You know, the other thing for me is mealtime for me personally have just been a huge, um, it's like a huge goal for me personally. Not every family is going to have that goal, right? And so I think we just need to kind of own our goals. For me, it was a non-negotiable. Like I will organize my life to the best of my ability around that. Of course, I have enough privilege to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people are like, no, I want, you know, I want to do theater. I want to do, uh, I want the kids to be in dance. I want to, I want to do the, all those things. We said no to those things if they interfered with dinner. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how we had to, that's how we did it was by saying no to things. Mm-hmm. But I realized so mm-hmm. many families don't want to say no to those things and they do want to say yes to these other things. And so when we make our own choices, we can mm-hmm. own those and we can say, this is what's best for my family. And we have, uh, we sit down to dinner on the weekend or we have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Saturday morning breakfast. Mm-hmm. There's no rule that says um, you have to do X, Y, Z, and you have to value X, Y, Z in life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think too, like what's sort of helped us, <clears throat> excuse me, is that um, like you're saying, we kind of made it a goal, but it's not fancy food at all. I mean, it is like you're saying, like the pasta and the jar sauce. And and I think it helps too, because we sort of take turns, like doing the cooking, like he'll do mm. cooking one night. I'll do, but I'm, when I say cooking, I mean, it's like a jar of sauce, even if it goes on like a chicken or something, you know, and like frozen mm-hmm. broccoli, like just really, really, really simple. Of course, I always do the freaking cleaning, you know, I'm like, you're not touching a dish. Cause I know you're not going to clean it. Like I want to clean. <laughs> right. exactly. That's your problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I know there's never, there really is never enough time. And I do feel like we sacrifice, you know, maybe it is the nutritional aspect. Cause we're trying to make these sort of quick meals and maybe it's, you know, some work things and stuff like that, but it's hard. It's always a, oh, yeah. a, a struggle, you know, it's always a struggle. And, you know, we're also the, with the kids being back in school, you know, there's even less time when they get home. It's just like, yeah. go, 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 go. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's cold and flu season is right around the corner. Yeah. And, you know, when the kids are back in school, they're getting sick <laughs> and bringing home oh, every yeah. germ and illness. So like, is it okay to give kids, like, do you believe in giving kids like echinacea and elderberry and supplements like that? Or is it better to just like try to keep their diet as, you know, nutritious and fortified as possible? What are the, how do we like sort of combat, you know, so we're sort of ahead of the game when Mm -hmm. cold and flu season starts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So tricky. So on kidseatingcolor.com, we have a um, new article about elderberry Mm. specifically. I'm a huge fan, but of course I always have to caveat, do check in with your pediatrician because there are some times where elderberry is not safe for kids, Mm -hmm. like autoimmune Mm -hmm. diseases, potentially some allergies, some things like that. So do check in with your doctor. Um, But elderberry can be really good when it's given like at the first sign of illness, because Mm -hmm. we have so little research about elderberry uh, being used with kids. I'm personally, I'm hesitant to use it all the time because we have zero studies in children or adults about what happens long-term if kids take elderberry. Like, let's say we give it to them for three years straight. What's going to happen? 
nobody has any idea. So I like to be conservative with that personally for my kids, because I'm having to make decisions for them. Mm. So I give, I give it at the first sign of an illness and it's been shown to reduce severity and duration, mm. um, in like respiratory illnesses and influenza. Um, in terms of the echinacea, that can be a little tricky. There's a little, there's, um, I think there's more allergies associated with echinacea, but often echinacea and elderberry are kind of combined into the same syrup. Mm. Um, that's another one where you don't want to give it long-term. You don't want to give kids echinacea long-term. And we don't have an article on echinacea yet, but I would like to get one up on the website mm -hmm. because some of these, like we, we want to think if something's natural, there's no downside natural things are very powerful, right? Um, natural things can definitely have side effects that you don't want. So again, I give the elderberry and echinacea syrup together and then, you know, until the symptoms are done and then mm -hmm. we take a break. The other thing you want to do is make sure your child's vitamin D status is in mm -hmm. the norm. Mm -hmm. Low vitamin D status is associated with more illnesses. We don't want that. And then you can also give them some probiotics. Probiotic research is still emerging, especially related to illnesses. Mm -hmm. But um, there are some that have been shown to reduce, especially for the little kids, diarrhea illnesses mm -hmm. in um, like daycare settings. Mm -hmm. So like a cultural for kids or something like that. I'm not a fan of melatonin in general. Like I don't take it. And I, we had a sleep specialist, um, one of the yes. leading sleep specialists yeah. in the U S come on and said how it really isn't great for kids because it is a hormone. And over time they haven't, they don't know how it's going to affect, you know, kids' bodies. And also there is sort of like, they get used to it. How do you, what do you feel about melatonin? You know, because it is a hormone and it's not a nutrition thing specifically, I really can't say anything about melatonin mm -hmm. other than you got to talk to your doctor <laughs> for my own sake. But would um, you, so, yeah. like you can talk personally, right? Could, would you give your kids melatonin? Um, I have talked to my kid's pediatrician and mm -hmm. they did okay it. So, mm -hmm. um, but they know my kids personally. And so they were able to kind of advise on like dosing when I would use it, when I would not use it, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but especially like in instances of jet lag and things like that, their yeah. pediatrician was totally supportive and that's been a big help for us. Yeah. So what about, cause there's this ongoing debate and it, there has been for a while now, you know, we're always seeing these new milks come out. Like it's oat milk, oh it's rice God. milk, right. it's almond milk, it's every milk under the sun. <laughs> oh my gosh. How do you stack those up against each other as it relates to our kids? Or do you prefer to give them the old fashioned whole milk, you know, dairy mm -hmm. milk? What yeah. do you think? Oh my gosh. It's so funny because we were, uh, I was just meeting with my team today and they were like, you know, we got to get somebody. Have you heard of the new Kiki milk? And I was like, <laughs> what? I thought it was up on all the new stuff, but I know I have not heard of this milk. So then I had to Google it. I was like, oh, okay. It's a new thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really funny. We actually have some resources on our on our blog about, um, you know, some of our registered dietitians have written some stuff about various milks, what milk is good for kids. Dairy milk, the old fashioned from a cow, dairy milk can be great <clears throat> for some kids. One of my kids like cannot live without his milk as he calls it, my special milk, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's just milk. Um, so that is great for some kids. My other one will not touch a glass of milk with a 10 foot pole. For him, we've tried 
everything the soy milk the pea milk the oat milk and he just isn't going to drink any of it but we you know i do soy milk my husband does cow's milk you know all that stuff i feel like the modern family often you open the fridge and there's you know four different milks for four different people <laughs> if not more <laughs> my goodness <laughs> so um yeah i don't i don't think there's one right answer but i do mm. think some of these alternatives are great because mm. so many people don't do dairy well, or people are like, you know, I don't like the dairy industry. I don't like how the cows are being treated. I don't like having so much dairy. And that's great. I don't think we were meant to um, drink that much yeah. dairy. I don't think mm -hmm. dairy should be its own food group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah, in the I'm United not... States, the dairy industry is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm actually doing, I'm actually doing a talk uh, a talk for them. And it's just been interesting to see, I, you know, do it for fun because I think dairy is great. Mm -hmm. Um, I also don't think it should be its own food group <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. and no amount of connection to them is going to make me change my mind on that. Um, you know, there's protein foods and there's not, and I love Canada's healthy plate, which, mm. um, doesn't make dairy its own food group. So I think there's, I think there is plenty of room for, for alternative milks on mm -hmm. the market. Um, Pea milk and soy milk are the most like cow's milk in terms of mm. protein and fat. And especially for those little kids, we want tons of fat in their diet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's generally our recommendation, but then you get into the ones that have about five grams of fat. So the oat milk, some of the nut milk, some of the, you know, but you really got to look at the um, labels because like rice milk mm -hmm. is like, yeah. has just nothing in it. Sugar. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like no fat, no protein. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's gotta be something in there. But. Yeah. I can't get over the fact though, that we're the only species that drink another animals, mm -hmm. like another species breast milk, because uh -huh. not, no one else does that. No right. one. We're the right. only ones that do. And I also, we had a hormone specialist on here to like talk about women's health. And she just said that because a lot of the milk has so much work to, to keep these cows pregnant, all year round, mm -hmm. they have to have hormones. They have to have those pumping through their bodies. And especially people like Roxy and I, who have some period related issues and, you know, PMS and estrogen dominance and all that. I think sometimes that dairy isn't the best bet for us. Mm -hmm. So then there's, I think there's just a lot of, there's still a lot we have to learn, I think mm -hmm. as, and we're, and I think parents are getting more savvy about it too. And trying to like, just trial and error with their kids and see like, does this create more mucus in my kid's body? Does it not? Are they mm -hmm. feeling good on it? How's their concentration? How's their, how's their stool like after they have dairy? Mm -hmm. And I think like a mother's intuition is also the greatest way to figure out like what works for your kids. Um, and just like kind of doing the trial and error. Cause one of my kids does really well on certain things. Uh, one of my kids is on a gluten-free diet. And the other one is not on a gluten-free diet. And the one has to, like, she, com her concentration completely changed when we mm. took her off gluten. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a mother's kind of trial and error. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's so tricky. And I think sometimes kids can give us clues, right? Mm. Right. Um, when I was a kid, I hated milk and there were a few situations where I like burned into my brain where I had mm -hmm. to drink milk. It was like, you have to sit there. You can't drink anything else until you drink that milk, <laughs> you know? And to this day, you can't pay me to drink a glass of milk, but it turns out it's just not the best fit for me. Right. Yeah. I just, you know, give me a plate of cheese and I will take a nap. 
yeah, exactly. minutes. <laughs> like I can't, it, it puts me to sleep. So I think, you know, when we watch our kids and we listen, what are they eating? What are they not eating? Let's give them that space because we maybe don't know are they feeling bad? They may not have the words for that. They may not be able to describe what they're experiencing. Well, it's really nice too. Cause I think a lot of these, even like the grocery stores, <clears throat> their in-store brands have become really affordable and they've made these right. like milk alternatives and everything, which is really great for, you know, getting more people interested in it. And I think it's really helpful. Um, but I also just thought about something about the dinner, um, conversation that we were talking about before. Um, is it a good idea? Let's say your kid barely eats anything off the dinner plate, doesn't ask for any other food. It's just kind of like done after a couple bites. Should you try to encourage them to eat more off the plate at that moment? Like if it's really, really just a small amount that they've eaten or just let them be satiated with whatever they've taken and kind of, you know, leave the dinner table. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's fine to let kids, mm. you know, little kids after a long day, they're tired and eating actually takes a lot of energy. You got to sit mm -hmm. up, you got to not mm -hmm. fall off your chair. You got to, you know, maybe you're expected to talk or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, experiment with foods that maybe you're not comfortable with. There's so many things that go into the eating experience and they're tired. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, for little kids, you can just expect to dinner to be the worst eating of the day for a lot of kids. Mm. So get in the things you want earlier in the day because they may not eat for dinner and it's okay to let kids have that space. It's okay to say, okay, you don't have to eat. And the number of times my children have actually not eaten is like four times in their <laughs> yeah. lives, right? Because people are like, well, yeah. what if they don't eat? What if mm. they come back to me 10 minutes later and say, I'm hungry. Now that can mm. sometimes happen and, and you may you know, depending on your policy, you may say, Hey, that's, that's it. I mean, that's our policy is you eat. And then we have bedtime snack because one of my kids is slow to gain weight. Um, but they know like, these are the eating opportunities. You can take it or leave it. We're never mm -hmm. going to make you eat. And you know what, if they are hungry and they go to bed now, you know, there's always times where you may be like, Oh, they really need a snack. Um, and you know, we handle those on a case by case basis, but in general, my kids know like breakfast is coming soon. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if they don't eat lunch afternoon snack is coming soon. So we don't have to feel bad by saying, okay, you didn't eat that much. Um, that's fine. You can get down and know that they can fill up on snack when it comes or the next meal, when it comes, that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. mm. So before we let you go, I want to ask, what are your three tips when it comes to food and kids? Like if it was like what you do in three points to help parents when it comes to food, what would they be? The first is to let kids choose, you know, give them the space, take out the pressure. That's going to reduce your stress. That's going to reduce their stress. In the end, that's going to result in better eating. The second mm -hmm. is to add a little bit of fun because life is better when you're smiling and laughing and having fun with your kids. So maybe that's turning broccoli into a microphone and singing a funny song into it. Maybe that's telling a story during dinner. Maybe that's just making <laughs> jokes at the breakfast table or whatever meal you are eating with your kids. Fun and connection go a long way in better eating for mm -hmm. everyone. And the third is to note whether your child's eating is typical or not, because mm -hmm. if your child's eating is 
atypical and you're thinking, wow, something is wrong, you know, going back to this, you know, intuition as a parent, if you feel like something is wrong and your child's eating less and less and less food, or like they're not eating certain groups of foods or things like that, listen to that and check in and advocate for your child with your pediatrician or finding a specialist or something like that, because you may know that something is going on and the earlier that you can identify that and take steps to improve it, the better it is going to be for everybody. Mm, right. That's a great Roxy, thing. what did you take away from today's chat? Oh my gosh. You know I feel what? like I'm talking to my kid <laughs> so when she goes home from school. <laughs> Phoenix, tell what me something you, that you had today that you took away from your day. <laughs> um, I think that I need to just like pull it back a little bit and <laughs> maybe not freak out so much about what she may be eating or not eating. And, you know, just kind of, I, I guess maybe I try to control it a little bit. Like, you know, oh, she needs to have like this, 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 and this, and like, you know, make sure that goes in. And, and if, if, if it's not perfect and if it doesn't happen mm-hmm. to just kind of step back, cause I feel like I get so wrapped up in this stuff. And then the school lunches too, same mm-hmm. thing. Like it's going to be okay. Like it's going to be okay. She's going to eat, you know, mm-hmm. she's going to grow. She's going to, you know, be healthy. Like, and I think I just have to step back. How about mm-hmm. you? What do you feel, Tamman, that you've taken away? I don't know how, but I'm going to try to figure out ways we can sit down and eat together. Mm-hmm. Like today she's done at seven 15. She's going to be home at seven 30. That's just when her swim club is done. So it's like, today's not the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe Friday is, or maybe mm-hmm. a day on the weekend, or maybe we can do a breakfast, but just more times, you know, and I have to wrangle my husband too, because he's so overwhelmed mm-hmm. that like the last thing he wants to do is sit down and eat. <laughs> like he just wants to keep moving. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's got a huge thing that starts next month, but just trying to find those little times because I like started bawling this morning because I just looked at these old videos of my kids and it feels like it was literally yesterday. Like, I feel like my nine-year-old mm-hmm was three. Like I just, I blinked and I know that that's going to happen again. And like, I don't want to live my life in regret. And I might regret not having more of those conversations. It isn't mm-hmm. like when you pick your kid up and everyone's yelling and because there's a lot of yelling and out, there's a lot of big personalities now house. So there's like a lot of like, stop, stop, calm down. <laughs> but maybe the dinner table might be a way to actually get to communicate where everyone's kind of like in a calm space because we don't have a lot of, con- like our, our vacations are great because everyone's away from the, the mess and the drama and the stress, but you can't go on vacation every every night. Or know? can we? Well, mommy <laughs> can go on vacation in the other room. <laughs> and sometimes that drama just comes right back to the table. Oh. <laughs> don't idealize it. Exactly. I know. Obviously you do it 10 yeah. times yeah. so that you can get those three times of, you know, connection and fun. And you know maybe what? like today is yeah. like, right. So swim's done at seven fifteen. So I was thinking, well, maybe instead of like racing them home, I'll just like, we don't do pizza a lot, but maybe we'll go do Domino's and sit down. <clears throat> I won't eat it. I'll watch them eat. <laughs> but like, at least we're like having dinner. Like it's a, mm-hmm. something to look forward to after swimming. That's food related that we're sitting down and chatting. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't always have to be food and it doesn't always have to be the entire family. It could be one parent. It could be a grandparent. It could be the daycare provider. There's so many options for Mm -hmm. feeding kids. We don't need to get hung up on these kind of idealistic perspectives of like, oh my gosh, everybody has to be in their nice clothes and sitting around the table and the chicken Mm -hmm. and the, you know, potatoes, like whatever that looks like. Um, 
But you know what? Sitting down while she's having her dinner after swim and you're drinking a cup of tea, like that's fine too. Mm. Just making that connection as they're eating. Obviously it's hard. Like my kids Mm. eat so much better when I eat breakfast with them. Mm. Can I eat breakfast with them very often? (laughs) No, no. I'm usually, you know, I'm scarfing the food over the kitchen Mm -hmm. sink, Mm -hmm. trying to get everything together and yelling at them to finish their breakfast, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's also like, shooting for one night a week like on a weekend mm-hmm. when it's like yeah. there's not a lot of practices and things like that going on maybe we just say like okay Saturday night's our night to kind of all order in pizza or whatever and just like have movie night and kind of yeah. sit around and do that yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. I don't know everyone's schedule is so crazy though it's always changing and it didn't used to be like this my dad used mm-hmm. to come home at five there's dinner on the table we still just all mm-hmm. talk and then go to bed now it's just like you know I work more than even my dad used to, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just because everything's kind of like, and all our jobs too, especially when you're in the creative field, it's like, you don't, it's not really consistent nine to five. It's, mm-hmm. I would say it's like a five to nine. Like I just don't ever stop because you're constantly having to create. And that's based on your own time. Like you choose when you create, but it's just, you got to feed that beast. You just got to mm-hmm. keep or because if Tell you don't, it. then it stops, you know? Right. And if you're not feeling creative right. at a certain time, you have to do it when you're feeling creative, you know, it's, right. you never know. Right. That's right. the dedication. And then it's so yeah. hard. Well, thank you so much. Aww. We really appreciate you being here. I'm so <laughs> grateful. And guys, where can everyone find you that isn't you just be- on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. You can find it at kids That's really where all the resources from all the people on our team, um, come together. That's where you can find our picky eating screener to find out if your child's eating is typical or atypical. Um, and that's where you find, you know, all the fun stuff. Also Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. all the fun places, TikTok. Uh, you can find us there. Good TikTok. It's also so <laughs> yeah. calming just to go to your Instagram page and like, cause it's all beautiful. It's like colors and like, you know, eating in rainbows. So like, just even getting in that mode of like looking at your stuff. I mean, a huge fan, huge fan here. So What's cool about the movie yeah. is it looks like a movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks cool like about movie. Instagram is it <laughs> looks like the Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you go to the gram. Injecting some like, uh, what's going on in the world. Reels are messing with my feed, some. but. <laughs> oh, I know. Reels are a difficult one. Oh, God. Well, thank you guys so much. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. <laughs> and we are women on top official on instagram and women on top podcast on facebook <laughs> and i am town sarasak and i am roxy manning and we are women, women on, on come on jennifer top. <laughs> <laughs>